15. Genesis chapter number 15, continuing uh, to look at the likes of Abram. And you say, Pastor John, we've been looking at Abram for a while. Well, God looked at Abram for a while. And so uh, God gave the same amount of attention to the life of Abraham as he did to the first about 1,800 years of the earth's history. And so whenever you look at that, I believe we can recognize that God feels like Abraham was a pretty important fellow. And there's a lot that we can learn as we look at Abraham. God called out Abraham because God wanted to establish a people and a nation. And God wanted to establish this people and this nation so that he could bring us a Messiah. Now it was necessary that there be a called out people so that God could give to this people the <clears throat> Old Testament law, the sacrificial rituals, all these things that God gave to them that all pointed to Christ. Had there not been a people called out, then we wouldn't have been able to have this book and this Old Testament that instructs us of the coming Messiah. So it was necessary to call someone out. And so he called out Abram uh, to be the father of the Jewish nation so that through him would come the Messiah. And so as we look at this, boy, I'm telling you what, there's just a tremendous amount that can be found. Today we'll be looking at verse number 7 down through the end of chapter number 15. We'll be looking at this thought of God confirming his promise to Abram. God confirming his promise to Abram. And I know we've looked at some different aspects of this as we've uh, came along, uh, but now we're coming and we see that Abraham again is looking for God to confirm that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. And you know what? Oftentimes you and I will pray. We will feel like we get an answer from God. And then time will pass and we won't see anything coming from, our, from what we felt should have been happening. And we'll go back to God and say, God... You're going to do this, right? And we see here that Abraham uh, some time had went by and uh, he's just wanting to confirm that God is going to do what he said he would do. Now, just a little bit of backing up just to keep, keep us called up. In chapter number 14, Abraham went and he rescued Lot. He met with Melchizedek. He met with the king of Salem. He said that he wasn't going to take any reward. Chapter number 15, we looked last week. God came to Abraham and he said, I am your reward. I am your shield. I am am going to take care of you. But if you look in verse number 8, and we're going to back up and start in verse number 7, but just to set the context, in verse number 8, Abraham said, and he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And that's going to be the theme of what we're looking at is God is confirming to Abraham how Abraham can know that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. So we're going to pray then we're going to read the text and then we'll get started. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for this group of people that, Lord, although it's cold, although it's snowy, although it's raining and it's nasty, uh, Lord, the type of weather that we just want to stay inside. And Lord, I thank you for this group of people that, Lord, has came out to your house. Lord, they have made you a priority. And Father, I thank you for them. I thank you for their faithfulness. I thank you, Lord, that they deem you important enough to to set aside their comforts, to set aside, uh, Lord, their fleshly desires. And, Lord, they prioritize you. And, Father, I thank you for them. And, Lord, I pray that you will bless them this evening. Lord, I pray that you will reward their faithfulness. And, Lord, that in this lesson, as we look through how you confirmed your promise to Abraham, that, Lord, 
uh, you will minister to their heart and Lord that you will give to them a blessing and Father Lord that they will be able to see uh, Lord how that just as you will do as you said to Abraham you will do as you have promised us and Father I thank you for it. I pray that you will be with us this evening be with the children's programs downstairs uh, be with uh, Brother Aiden and Pastor Kent Lord as they're preaching to the children the teens. Uh, Lord I pray that you will plant a seed in their heart and Lord I pray that they will uh, fall in love with you. And Lord, that we will see these young people grow up to be young people that love you and serve you, Father, I pray. Thank you for your goodness to us. Bless us now throughout this service. And Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I do want to say, uh, pray for Brother Robbie and Brother Darren. Uh, Brother Darren's back. And Brother Robbie's back. Did y'all get the van out? No, did not get the van out. And so... All righty. So the van, one of the vans is stuck. Uh, Pastor Kent was picking some folks up and got the van stuck. So probably we'll be able to fetch our van back out later on. But uh, do thank the Lord. We got a good many folks come and uh, quite a few downstairs lower than normal, but quite a few down there. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, but Genesis chapter number 15 here, starting in verse number 7, the Bible says, this is the Lord speaking. In verse number 6, if we want to go there, this is Abraham, and he believed in the Lord. And he, the Lord, counted it to him, Abraham, for righteousness. And he, the Lord, said unto him, Abraham, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against another. But the birds divided he not. And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace, thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Cadmonites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Rephaims and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites. And so we see here that the Lord is promising to Abram. He is confirming his promise and he is saying, Abram, I will do what I have said I would do. And we see here that God confirms his promise to Abraham in two ways. And so we're going to look at these two ways uh, that God confirms uh, his promise to Abraham. The first one, uh, it will be a little bit brief and then we'll look a little more in depth at the second way. And so we see in verse number 7 that the Lord spoke to Abram. Abram believed God. God counted it to him for righteousness. And God said to Abram, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to thee and this, to give thee this land to inherit it. And Abram said, Lord God, whereby shall I know 
that I shall inherit it. Now this was not necessarily, I don't believe, Abraham doubting God because this follows the verse uh, where Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. But Abraham was looking for some confirmation just as Gideon put out a fleece and he said, I want to know for sure that this is what you want me to do. Abraham said, Lord, what is there that you can give me that will just solidify in my mind uh, whenever the doubts do come, whenever the questions do come, uh, whenever the t clock ticks, and I wonder when it's going to happen. What can you give me that will solidify in my mind that you're going to do what you said you were going to do? And so God confirms this problem, this promise to Abram in two ways. First, uh, he confirms his promise through a declaration uh, of his uh, credentials. Uh, God declares to Abram uh, who he is. He says here in Genesis 15 in verse number 7, And he said unto him, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. First of all, we see uh, that he tells Abram uh, who he is. He reminds Abram of his person. He says, Abram, I am the Lord. Here we meet the great I am. You know, I love that this is how our Savior identifies himself. When we say, who are you? He says, I am. Moses said, who shall I say that sent me? And he said, tell him that I am hath sent thee. He is the great I am. What does that specify? What does that tell us whenever he identifies himself as the I am? That identifies that he is the creator. He is the ruler of all. He is the supreme being. There is none above him. There is none beyond him. There is none that controls him. He is the one. Whenever we often hear young guys that think they're tough and we'll say he thinks he's all that, you know, we'll describe them that way. Well, God really is all that. And he can introduce himself as all that. He is the great I am. Abraham wanted to know, how can I know for sure that you're going to do this for me? And the Lord said, number one, you can remember who I am the greatest of all, the controller of all, the creator of all, the ruler of all has said that it's going to be yours. I am the Lord. So we see that he declared who he was, but then secondly we see not only did he declare who he was, but we see that he told Abram in verse number 7, he said to him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of Ur of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. God tells Abram, he says, not only am I all that and I'm able to do it, he said, but I called you. We see here his promise. He said, Abraham, the reason that you're here, the reason that you're standing where you're standing, the reason that you're having a conversation with me right now is because I brought you out for the purpose of giving you the land. Uh, Abram, you wouldn't be where you're at if I didn't intend to give you the land. Abram, when I spoke to you in Ur Chaldees, it was so I could give you this land. You know what oftentimes in our Christian life uh, we'll say, but you know, when is the Lord going to bless me? When is the Lord going to use me? When is the Lord going to accomplish something with me? And the Lord says, you're where you're at because of where I'm taking you. He said, Abraham, I want to remind you of the promise. Here's how you can know for sure that I'm going to give you this land because, Abraham, look what I've already done in your life so far. 
You know what? A lot of times whenever we get discouraged for whatever reason it may be, a good way to overcome that discouragement is to look back on what God has already done. Look back on how He's already got you where you're at. Look back at the prayers He's already answered. Look back at the areas you've already grown as a Christian. Look back at how God has worked in your life. And you will realize that if God could get me through all that, God can get me through all of this. God can take care of me. So he said, Abram, here's how you can know for sure. First of all, you can know for sure because of who I am. And Abram, you can know for sure because this is why I called you to give you this promise. But then the second way that he confirmed his promise, which we'll spend a little more time on this evening, was through a demonstration of his covenant. He confirmed his promise through a demonstration of his covenant. And so Abram said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me an heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Now there's some speculation as to why these, these animals and some speculation as to why they were each three years old. But honestly, the Bible sheds no more light on this than that right there. And so this is one of these things we'll find out when we get to heaven. I do believe, and I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit here, I do believe there's a picture of Calvary here, and we do know that Jesus was three days and three nights uh, in the in the, uh, in the uh, tomb, and so maybe the three and the three tie together. We know that there's the Trinity. We know that the Lord likes three, and so maybe this ties together somehow, but anything that we could say is purely speculation because this verse is the only reference we have to this. So this is one of these mysteries that we'll find out when we get to heaven why it was the way that it was. Uh, but he told Abram, he said, take these animals, and in verse number 10, and he took unto him all these, and divided them in the midst, and laid each piece one against the uh, another, but the birds divided he not. And we see here that the Lord gave a demonstration of his covenant. Now, in ancient times, not only uh, here at Abram's time, but we also see this in other lands. Uh, we see the Romans practicing this, the Egyptians practice this, a lot of the Gentile nations practice this. The Jews practice this. In ancient times, if we were going to make a covenant, Brother Harry and I was going to make a covenant, we were going to agree on something, uh, and we wanted to make sure that each of us was going to hold up our end of the bargain. We would take a cow or a lamb or a goat, and we would split that animal from nose to tail, cut it right down its backbone, split it directly in half, and we would lay that animal on the ground with enough room between the halves that we could walk between the halves. And so after we had divided the animal and laid the animal out, then Brother Harry would walk between the animals and then I would walk between the animals. And by doing so, we symbolized that we were... We were vowing that we were responsible to hold up our side of the bargain. So whatever it was that we were agreeing upon, by doing this we had symbolized to one another that we were going to hold up each other's end of the bargain. Now oftentimes, uh, and although Abram don't do this, oftentimes after we had walked through Brother Harry, then we would fry him up and eat him. But uh, we, we would walk through and we would symbolize this is what we're going to do. We're going to keep our side of the bargain. And so a lot of folks, uh, this was something 
that what they would do modern times uh, whenever somebody wants you to know for sure that they're going to keep their promise. They say, cross my heart and hope to die. Well, this was kind of a little more... Uh, 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 better way of doing that. It kind of showed everybody, hey, this is what we're doing. You know, if, if I don't hold up my end of my bargain, I can end up like this cow or this sheep. Uh, I'm going to hold up my end of the bargain. So this was very common, something that Abram would have been very familiar with. And so we see that this is what is taking place. But there's some things that we want to look at, and we'll get back to the dividing of the animals in just a moment. But there's some things we want to look at before we get to that. First, we see here uh, that God in verifying to Abram that he was going to do what he said he was going to do, he had Abram make a blood sacrifice. He had Abram make a blood sacrifice. You see, the entire word of God points to Calvary. Abram had been called out as a chosen people. Abram had believed God, and now God is bringing into the picture a blood sacrifice. And this is how God confirms His promise to you and I, is we know that we are saved because of the shed blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so we see a blood sacrifice. We see a picture of Calvary. But not only do we see a picture of Calvary in this blood sacrifice, we also see a picture of personal surrender, which is exactly what God asked of us. God says, I have given myself, I have shed my blood for you. He said, but I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. I have sacrificed for you, now I want you to sacrifice for me. And so in this, uh, we see that blood was shed, which pointed to Calvary, but we see also that Abram had to provide something. He had to give something uh, to this sacrifice. And so we'll look at the elements uh, of the sacrifice, the elements of the sacrifice. He said, uh, take me an heifer of three years old and a she-goat of three years old and a ram of three years old and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. There's two things I see about the elements of the sacrifice that Abram gave. First, I see that they were costly. They were costly. This was not a, a cheap sacrifice. Abram had to give animals uh, that were three years old. And like I said, we don't know if there's any symbolism there, but we do know that at three years old, these animals were in their prime. These animals were full grown. They were full health. Uh, these were animals that could commit could begin reproducing and building the herd. Uh, these, were, these were prime animals that Abram had already invested in. He had already fed them. Uh, he had paid people to watch them. These were prime animals. These animals were at their full strength. And so this was a costly sacrifice uh, that God had asked Abram to make. Uh, and then also we see that this sacrifice involved variety. God wanted a little bit of everything Abram had. I want one of your cows, one of your sheep, one of your goats, a, a turtle dove, and a pigeon. I want a little bit of everything you have. And whenever God asks us to sacrifice, we don't like this. But true sacrifice will always cost us. You see, a lot of Christians are willing to serve God until it costs them. They're willing to serve God as long as it doesn't interrupt their schedule. They're willing to serve God as long as it doesn't crimp their finances. They're willing to serve God as long as it doesn't inconvenience uh, their favorite TV show. They're, they're willing to serve God as long as it doesn't cost them. But as soon as it costs them, 
And we see this to be true. Uh, whenever we see people drawing back uh, and not being faithful to service. We, we, it's very obvious that whenever it begins to cost people in any area, they quit giving. But the problem with that is that true Christianity involves sacrifice. And if your Christianity isn't involving sacrifice, if it isn't costing you in some way, then there's a good chance that your Christianity is just a facade to make your conscience feel better and has never been a heart change because true Christianity results in a sacrifice that cost something. And we see here that this sacrifice cost Abram. He had to give prime animals to this sacrifice. But then not only that, not only was it costly, but we see that it had variety. And you know what? God gives all of us different gifts, and all of us are gifted to serve in different places and different areas, and God will use us throughout His ministry in many, many, many different ways. And perhaps you're gifted in hospitality, and I'm gifted in speaking. That doesn't mean that I'm not hospitable. I still have to be hospitable, even if that isn't my gift. And that doesn't mean that you don't need to share the gospel. Although you may not have a strong point there, you still need to share the gospel. So we need to be people who are willing to serve anywhere and everywhere. Of course God will give us a place where we can excel, but we need to be able to serve in every area that God makes available to us. And so we see here that this sacrifice was costly. This sacrifice includes variety. But another thing I want to look at about this sacrifice is there was an attack on the sacrifice. And you're probably already ahead of me here, but anytime you make a sacrifice for God, you will find that there will be those who will bring attack on your sacrifice. In verse number 11 it says, And when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now there's a lot in this verse that I see here. We'll try to just look at it briefly. Abram, God said to Abram, divide the carcasses. Now, the biggest problem that Abram has had with God's promise is time. Abram believes God, but a lot of time is passing. And you know what? God tends to test us where we're weak so that he can strengthen us in our weak areas. This is where Abram is struggling. It's been some time. He says, God, what can you show me? God says, get some animals, divide the animals, lay them out. You know what I'm talking about, Abram. Abram divides the animals and lays them out. But it takes a little while for the buzzards to notice that there's animals laying on the ground. You know what this tells me? That once again, God made Abram wait. He said, all right, here's what we're going to do. Divide some animals and lay them out, Abram. Abram divided the animals and laid them out, and nothing happened. And nothing happened. And nothing happened. And nothing happened. Abram looked up and there's some buzzards starting to circle. He's like, God, hello, what's happening? But you know what else I see here? Is that when the fowls came down, Abram drove them away. You know what this indicates to me? That Abram had learned his lesson. 
And he said, God is going to do something with these animals. We're not going to lose faith in God. We're not going to lose hope in God. We're driving the birds away. These animals are sacred. We are waiting on God. Abram had developed here. Uh, he had grown here, uh, and he was ready to hear from God. There's a couple of things I'll point out to you about this attack on the sacrifice. First of all, we see that these are birds of prey. In other words, uh, they were wanting to take uh, what Abram had already laid out for them. The two things that I see here about these birds of prey is they were not necessarily trying to destroy Abram's offering. It wasn't that they wanted to interrupt what Abram was doing with God. They were just focused on themselves. And here was an easy meal. Let's go get it. They were seeking selfish gain and they didn't put any value on the offer. Now, if I could just make a comparison here. Whenever you sacrifice to God, whatever it may be, let's say that it's your time. Let's just go there. You're going to sacrifice time to God. You have got a free evening out of the week, and so you're going to take that evening, and you're going to go visit some shut-ins. You're going to maybe take some cookies. You're going to go visit some shut-ins. And so here's what you're getting ready to do. And about the time you get ready to go, your lost friend or family member calls you on the phone. And they say, hey, I was wondering if you could come over here to the house. Got a project I'm doing. was wondering if you could come over here and help me. And you say to them, love to come help you, but I was taking some cookies over to one of our shut-ins at the church. Now, they're not necessarily against you taking cookies to the shut-in, but they're interested in themselves more than they are in you serving the Lord. And so they say, well, you can take cookies anytime. I need you to come help me with this project. And they begin to attack your sacrifice. And the reason for their attack is their own selfish gain. Not only that, but they are not putting any value on your offering. So what I'm saying here, something we can learn from this, is whenever God has put on our heart to do something, and I hate to refer to our lost friends and family this way, and the buzzards start circling, you say, uh-uh. This is what God has asked me to do. This is what I'm going to do. Leave the sacrifice alone. I have given this to God. You're not going to interrupt what I have given to God. And here's why we have to do that. I'm not saying that we should neglect our lost loved ones. We should definitely minister to them as well. That was just for sake of the illustration. But if you allow the buzzards to come land on the sacrifice, then you will find that they will always interrupt your sacrifice. But if you drive them away, they will understand that this is God and it's sacred and nobody's going to mess with it. So we see here that there was a blood sacrifice and there was an attack on the sacrifice, but Abraham drove them away. Not only do we see that there was a blood sacrifice, but we see that there was also in this demonstration a prophetic sleep. A prophetic sleep. It says in uh, verse number 12, And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, 
And lo, an whore of great darkness fell upon him. So uh, he fell asleep, a deep sleep. Uh, God put him to sleep. Uh, God has a way of putting folks to sleep, just as he did Adam when he created Eve. And many times through the Bible we have illustrations of this. And so God puts a sleep uh, upon Abram. And it's not a pleasant sleep. Abram is scared during this sleep. He's terrified uh, during this sleep. It's a whore of darkness is upon him. But then the Lord began to speak unto him. Reminds me of Psalm 23. It says, Lo, lo, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. You know the one thing that scares us the most as people is the unknown. We like to know what's going on. And when we don't know, boy, I'm telling you, it can be bothersome. The doctor says to you, we've taken some tests. I need you to come in and talk to me tomorrow. That 24 hours is the most miserable 24 hours you've ever lived. Why? Because you don't know what the doctor's going to tell you. Boy, the unknown just terrifies us. And Abram fell into this deep sleep. He didn't know. There was so much about this covenant, so much about this promise, so much about his service to God that he didn't know. And now he's fallen into a deep sleep. The animals are laying there. The birds are trying to eat them. And, and a dark horror came upon him. But in the midst of his terror, God speaks. Boy, I'm telling you what, God can bring comfort in our terror. And he begins to speak, and look at verse number 13, and he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs. Not only did God confirm that he was going to have a seed, but God begins to tell him what's going to happen to his family. They're going to be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them. And they shall afflict them 400 years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterward shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. So we see here that God, in order to confirm this promise, he puts Abram to sleep and he said, Abram, I'm going to do more than tell you that you're going to have a great nation. Abram, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to this nation. I'm going to lay out their story. Abram, you've not even had a son yet. But Abram, you're going to have a son and that son's going to have another son and they're going to grow into a nation and that nation is going to go into another land. And of course we know that they go into Egypt. He said and they're, going to, they're going to serve as a stranger in that land. He said, but after 400 years, I'm going to bring them back out. And as we continue through the word of God, we find that this is exactly how it played out. We see that God told Abram of the exile of his people. He told them of the servitude that they would have to serve the Egyptians. He told him of the affliction that they would face. Then he also told Abram of the deliverance that he would give to his people. Now I find an interesting verse and we'll just touch on this very quickly. In verse number 16, and this just, to me, this just so speaks of the mercy of God. I think there's a whole nother lesson in this verse. He said, but in the fourth generation, speaking of the 400 years, in the fourth generation they shall come hither again. They'll leave the, their captivity. They'll come back here where you and I are at, Abram. But why is it going to take till the fourth generation? He said, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. 
Now the Amorites were the group of people that the Israelites were going to overthrow when they come back to take over the land. The reason they were going to overthrow them was a result of the judgment of God because of the wickedness of the people that lived in the land of Canaan. But God said they're not going to come out till the fourth generation. Why? Because the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. God said, I'm still giving them space to repent. I'm giving the Amorites space to turn back to me. We're going to wait 400 years before we bring judgment on the Amorites because their iniquity is not yet full. They were already wicked. They were already worthy of judgment. But God said, I can still show them mercy. You know what? Oftentimes we look at our nation that we live in. And I love America. I'm so thankful that God allowed me to be born in the United States of America. I know there's other pretty places in the world, but I, I just can't imagine they're as pretty as where we live. I mean, I just love the United States. I love the people, everything about it. I'm so thankful God allowed us to be here. But many times when I look at our nation, I wonder from a spiritual standpoint, God, why have you not brought judgment? But you know what? I believe he's saying the iniquity is not yet full. Now I believe there's coming a day and I believe it's coming quickly when the iniquity is going to be full and God is going to bring judgment on our nation. But in the meantime, while God is showing mercy, we, his people, ought to be doing everything we can to bring the lost world to Christ. Because there's coming a day and God's going to say, okay, it's enough. And he's going to bring judgment. We see here that he was showing mercy. Like I said, that's a whole other message, but I just wanted to touch on it for you. But then we go on down. Let her see. How did God confirm this promise? We see that God gave to Abram a binding symbol, a binding symbol. In verse number 17, it says, And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, now remember he caused Abram to fall to sleep when the sun was getting ready to set. He gave Abram the vision. And now the sun is setting. It seems that Abram has woken from his sleep. The sun is setting. The animals are laying there. It's now dark. Abram's just had this vision. And he looked. And behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. Now, before I uh, understood all that this meant with the dividing of the animals, this passage of Scripture didn't mean near as much to me. But once I understood the custom of the dividing of the animals and how this confirmed a covenant, and now I looked at this from the same viewpoint that Abram would have had, boy, I'm telling you what, this Scripture is alive. Abram wakes up. It's dark now. God has just spoke to him. And he looks at the divided pieces of the animals laying there in front of him. And passing between the animals is a smoking furnace and a burning lamp. And it confirms to Abram that God said, Abram, I am walking between the pieces. I am confirming to you that I will hold up my part of the bargain. I am confirming to you, Abram, that this is what I will do. Now, there is a lot that can be seen right here. First, I just want to point out that God has just told Abram 
about uh, the children of Israel going into captivity and their deliverance. Now, whenever we get on into the Old Testament and we read about that deliverance, we find out that as the children of Israel came through the wilderness, the presence of God led them. In the day, it was a pillar of smoke. And at night, it was a pillar of fire that led the children of Israel. And here we are, centuries before that. Abram is looking at the dividing pieces and a pillar of smoke and a pillar of fire is walking between the pieces and saying, Abram, I am going to give you a sign that you understand. I am going to give you a confirmation that will ring true with you. Abram, I'm walking between the pieces. But now something else I want to point out to you that, boy, I mean, just really, really stood out to me. Whenever I was explaining this covenant at the beginning, I said that if Brother Harry and I was to do this, we would divide the animal and that I would walk between and then Brother Harry would walk between, indicating that I would hold up my part of the bargain, he would hold up his part of the bargain. But when we look at what happened here, Abram never walked between the pieces. You know what this says is God said, Abram, this is my responsibility. You have no part in this, Abram. I called you and I will do it. The full weight rests on me. Abram, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter uh, if you know what you're doing or not. Abram, I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to give you the seed. I'm going to take care of you, Abram. It all is on me. You know what? I couldn't help but see a beautiful picture of our salvation. Jesus said, it's all on me. I am responsible for your salvation. You believe in me and I will do what I have said I will do. It is all on me. So we see here that there is a portrayal. That is your answer there. A portrayal, a smoking furnace, a burning lamp, the presence of God confirming to Abram that I will keep my promise. We see the pact of this. Only God passed between the animals, signifying that the fulfillment of this promise was completely reliant upon God. And then in the remainder of the chapter, we see that God once again confirmed His promise to Abram. It says, In the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, <clears throat> the Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Cadmonites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Rephaims and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Gergashites and the Jebusites. Ten groups of people, a tremendous portion of land. And God said, Abram, I'm going to tell you one more time. I'm going to give it to you. Abram, I'm going to tell you one more time. It belongs to you. I am the Lord. I called you out so I could give it to you. I have given you a physical representation of my covenant. Abram, it's yours. You can count on it. You know what? We started the service and Melissa picked the song and she didn't know what I was teaching on, but we started the service with the song, Every Promise in the Book is Mine. I believe the Lord lined that up. Because I'm telling you what, there are many times that we see the promises of His book, but we're like, Lord, Lord. And He said, it's yours. I said I was going to do it, and I 
will do it. What I've said I'll do, I will do, I guarantee it. Now we're going to find out that Abram, just like us, continues to try and figure it out on his own. But God said, Abram, leave it up to me. I've promised it to you. Hopefully that's a blessing to you. God confirms his promise to Abram. Anyone here?